0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS, America's productivity partner. Each episode, we are going to explore some of the biggest threats and challenges in today's business world and the vast amount of solutions GBS offers to meet them.
1: Welcome back to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion on brand protection with two of our product experts in the field. This is the second part of a series we started last month with Mike Welch from Avery Dennison. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back and do so because we covered a lot of great information on that show. And on today's show, we have with us Mike Vitali and John Lane, both colleagues of ours here at GBS and both whom have been on the show with us in the past. So just to reintroduce you to those gentlemen real quickly mike has been with gbs for eight years and currently serves as vice president of sales for our print tech division prior to that he was a senior account executive for gbs and is a graduate of ohio state university the The Ohio State University. Go Bucks! Mm. John Mm -hmm. Lane has been with GBS for 29 years and he is a brand protection specialist also in our print tech group. John has held numerous executive management positions throughout his tenure here at GBS and he holds both a bachelor's and master's degree in marketing from Bowling Green State University. All right. So before we begin the discussion, guys, welcome back to both of you. Welcome back to the show. And thanks again so much for being with us here today.
2: Thank you, Rich. It's good to be back. Good to be here and good to see that this is online. So. Everyone can listen to Mike
0: and not have to look at
2: Mike. <laughs> yes,
1: agreed. <laughs> That's one of the advantages of being remote, John. There you go. All right. Okay. So as I as I mentioned a moment ago, we, uh, we did a previous episode on brand protection with Mike Welch from Avery Dennison, and we ended that first discussion with Mike by asking the question, how would someone or how would a company that was interested in, in brand protection, begin the process of protecting their products. And Mike stated that you know a good first step would be contacting a solutions provider like GBS. That would be a great starting point. So John and Mike, I'll ask you guys. So once that happens, once someone reaches out to us and is interested in brand protection, what would be the next process or the next step in that process for the company?
2: Yeah, I think. Uh the organizations themselves have to step back and kind of see what is the challenge they're facing and, and why do they need to go down a, a brand protection process. And, and most of them fall into a couple buckets, right? One is they want to prevent imitation or just fraud of their products, lost revenue, et cetera. But then there's a growing area that's, that. uh, really becoming a strategic challenge for organizations, that's to confirm the safety of the goods. And that might even be, you know, more of a challenge or a risk to an organization than the financial loss is the long-term issues of a bad product getting out there, especially if you're a, a pharma organization. And that's why there's a lot of regulation by government leading the charge and in, in trying to help companies combat counterfeiting which is just an enormous issue as we all know and one of the leading reasons is the safety of goods so i think that's where you start like you know do i want to minimize losses in terms of revenue and loyalty or do i really need to be concerned about the safety aspect of my products
0: i couldn't agree more john because you know when it comes to the safety i read article after article and it's it's always about uh, maybe it's an automotive part, you know, in an organization that manufactures headlamps for the cars are worried about counterfeit headlamps because it's blinding to oncoming traffic or it's too dim for the, pa- the driver and their passengers. Um, it could be brake pads, you know, uh, airbags. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, anytime that there's a safety factor involved, counterfeits are a major threat um, to that brand and their identity.
1: Great. So, okay. So once, once a company would contact us and you guys would kind of walk them through that, that consultative, I guess, process, how would you help them to determine, uh, John, what the right solution, the brand protection
2: solution would be for the company? I think it's a, you know, a continuous off of the first conversation is, you know, why do they need to do this? And, and we're really, you know, maybe uh, evaluating, Whether it's security goals, right, or a product. But then, you know, some organizations might say, hey, really what I want to do is be an inconvenience to my, you know, I I don't, I'm losing counterfeit products. Maybe my products are really simple to my packaging is to replicate, right? So it might just be simple for organizations to maybe we start at what their packaging looks like. You know, is it something that is very simple, plain, and then there's just a carton label on it? So sometimes, you know, we don't want to overthink it out of the gate. You know, we want to kind of be deliberate in what we're looking at and, you know, educate the different ways. You know, do you want to just be an inconvenient? Because maybe the risk factor isn't big, so they don't need to have a huge expense because of the safety aspect. But, you know, they're trying to avoid maybe loss of, some dollars. In some cases, it can be significant for mm-hmm. okay, clients that, that have millions of dollars of product. But we just want to step back and maybe the simplest thing is we say, let's evaluate your packaging and can we make it hard or very inconvenient for someone to target your products so and maybe they go down the street and target one of your competitors instead.
1: So just making it more of a deterrent. In, I mean, I think that's a great that's a great example you gave, John. Because yeah, maybe there's somebody in the same industry that's not using any type of brand protection, and and we do enough to help them just to make it like you said um, inconvenient for them to try to counterfeit that product. So that's a good that's a good point. So
2: you, want to, you want to discourage, but at the same time, you too, you know, you also want to build with your customer your end user so right um, you know the strategy also has to include can i make whatever i do whatever my security features are or whatever is it something that my customers can in most cases easily recognize and become uh, familiar and feel comfortable that they have an authentic product
1: oh, that's but
2: good. also you got to keep you got to keep that in mind, down the supply chain, what's going to happen to your products.
1: Okay. So do solutions vary by industry, John, would you say, or are they fairly standard across the board?
2: No, they absolutely change, and it's really because, you know, that very first question, why do you need something? Mm, So um, if it's because of safety and security, you know, solutions in the farm industry that are heading towards more sophisticated track and tracing. So there's going to be more costly solutions, but it's because the need that they need, right? Versus someone with a consumer product where maybe counterfeiting is more of an annoyance and you want to stop the loss of revenue, but their solutions don't have to be to the level that a pharma company may be. So, you know, within the different industries of apparel, automotive, as Mike mentioned, electronics, you know, there's different needs within that, but the overall thing is, can I prevent imitation and can I secure my product on behalf of any uh, safety concerns? And traditionally, there's holograms or tamper-evident materials that might have covered people used in the past, mm-hmm. forensic markers. But, we, you know, we kind of want to step back and, and utilize kind of some overt and covert solutions using some sophisticated front-end softwares. It really makes, you know, again, depending on what they want to achieve, our solution can be very easily implemented and really designed for the budget that they have or need, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone just wants to be a quick inconvenience, boy, we have an easy solution. If someone needs to have a very highly secured anti-counterfeit solution, so we can be there with them as well. So it's not a, you know, a single shoe fits every foot kind of approach.
0: Absolutely. It's definitely not all or nothing. And I think that's part of the the GBS value proposition of our brand protection programs and uh, capabilities is, you know, we take that a la carte approach. You know, we, we, we make them aware of all the different features and or capabilities that can be overt or, you know, seen with the naked eye and or covert uh, with needing an instrument to, to activate the feature. And then from mm-hmm. that, you know, things dictate that. John mentioned the budgets, absolutely. You know, it, it, right. how much have they budgeted for the instruments necessary to authenticate a particular feature because they can get very expensive. There can be lasers set to a specific frequency and and then only that frequency is what activates a specialty ink. So only that specific laser and that specific frequency will Bring about the ink to appear, if you will. Oh, okay. So, in, wow. in forensics, within the within the materials and such, and uh, fibers. So, I guess it, it it boils down to their budgets, and then what are they protecting against? Is it counterfeiting? Is it somebody just getting into their packaging while it's in transit, mm-hmm. like Mike Welch spoke of mostly uh, during his podcast? Right. Tamper evidence. He brought up the food industry. Right. Great example. Yep. Um, and then of course uh to john's earlier point of of track and trace you know and and meaning that's battling what's referred to as gray market diversion or distributors selling into territories that they're not permitted to Mm. and so how are Mm -hmm. we protecting the manufacturers against that happening to them because they're losing revenue to markets right when that takes place so discovering what what they're protecting against and what their budget is we can guide them through our expertise and our consultants you know but however in in the end they also have to be very happy with the designs that we come up with and so we try and layer feature upon feature so you know anything from six to ten features per design makes uh, quite a bit of sense in in to deter the counterfeiter you know they might solve one of them in a few years and the beauty is is that we can easily evolve our designs. Mm-hmm. We can change them mm-hmm. in less than a week and, and hit that reset button nice. on, the, on the counterfeiter where they got to start all over. So staying ahead of the criminals.
1: Nice, nice. Okay, so then... My- and
2: we're also very, I'll just chime in, we're also mm-hmm. you know very conscious that a challenge is, is how you're going to identify that something is that infringed or counterfeit or authentic product. So... Are, you know we we have had discussions early on and Mike mentioned the implants being used but you know if you can make something too covert that no one can figure out that is true or or it isn't you know uh, without specialty equipment so there's the fine line you know you know so we always take the approach that hey let's let's get a solution that one your end user can easily identify and give the thumbs up um, but to you also have some other additional features in there that allows you to uh, you know make a double check of something if there is a suspicion that it's wrong but i think we i think we all feel that let's put something out there that people can see you know something that's that's overt just to kind of discourage people from going after your products to begin with and then knowing that you that our solutions can rapidly change that design if it is a, you know, a design or something or feature that you're always staying one head of one step ahead of someone trying to counterfeit that.
1: Yeah, no, that that's good, John. Thank you. So now, I, I wanted to ask you guys next about the, the components that make up brand protection solutions. So you've both kind of touched a little bit on overt and covert components. Can you guys maybe... Elaborate a little bit more on those and then other components that that we incorporate into our solutions
2: Yeah, so when we say overt and covert really remaining is it is it visible or is it? Invisible or, or very hard to see or nearly impossible to see with the naked eye. That mm-hmm. would be a covert. Mm-hmm. I mean um, Yeah, so an overt is the user's advantage of it of having something visible like, you know, like a hologram, right? perfect example it's very recognizable. Hey, that, you know, there's something there. It must be authentic or, or thing, you know, so that it reinsures the end user. But there is a challenge if that's all you do is because now you've told the counterfeiter, this is all you have to counterfeit is this little feature right here. Mm. So you know, there's an advantage. You want someone to know what they're looking for, but you also, you know, by doing that, you basically put your cards on the table. Mm. So we step back and say, hey, let's, it's, it's a blended approach. Let's do both overt, covert and, to Mike's point, do multiple layers of things. So you may have something that the that your distributors know about, right, which is something slightly different than what your end users know. But behind the curtain, the actual, our client has the recipe to all the features that are there.
1: Okay, And
2: a um, combination of different things that you, naked eye, maybe they look for one little thing or then you put it under loop and see something else. And, you know, you might have that strategy, but you also have a strategy and play to go along with it that we're going to be ready to pivot if we have any suspicion that someone's trying to, you know, copy what we're doing.
0: Yeah, so like for an example on the on the micro side, the micro features, I mean, picture like a three by two inch label, you know, and it's being printed at twelve hundred dots per inch. Right. So then one dot could be slightly different than or or slightly off than all the other dots. Hmm. You know, whatever that character is or or whatever it could be. Simple but very hard to find. You have right, to right. scan it very slowly with with a a, a loop and then try and replicate every little dot within every inch over and over and then layers of those on top of one another to create an image if you will in the design and you really don't know what's making up that image until you look at it really closely and with hidden little elements here and there uh, it it makes it next to impossible to you know try and replicate and if there's any sign that somebody's gotten close Mm -hmm. we change it change it real fast. And so, again, just staying ahead of the criminals—that's that would be considered one feature amongst easily six to ten. You know, on a on a any given Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. So the the, the next question I had, and and you guys have have kind of answered this a little bit, but maybe you, you know, this will give you an opportunity to expand a little more. Is you know how customizable are these? components and I think I've heard you both say that they're they're very customizable and you know maybe what what does those or what does the customizations what do those depend on is that is that more customer preference or budget or kind of a combination of those things
0: I I'd, I'd say oh, they- it comes down to their creativity you know how, that's when it mm. comes to our our capabilities and our flexibilities of design it's I think the only limitation we really have is creativity you know, in order, if you can imagine it, you know, we can do it. Okay. If it comes down, it's really that's that good. simple. You know, one one thing I know I've told clients is, uh, you know, consider an image that's never been published, you know, that we want to have on this. So okay. something that's not found on the Internet, something that's not found on any of their collateral, you know, just something that represents that organization that's not been published. And then, you know, it just, it, it limits the counterfeiter's ability to find that art anywhere
1: right and then when they're
0: they're trying to duplicate it we know they're not able to photocopy it because we're building in all sorts of anti-copy features within the design so if they were to attempt to photocopy it it's muddied up it's blurred up or or things are appearing that from in the photocopy that weren't actually seen on the label so it's just it's throwing off uh, the counterfeiters in any way whatsoever you can and to one of John's earlier points, discouraging them to, you know what, I'm
2: forget this product. I'm going to move on too, to the next one.
1: Yeah. It's just too difficult. Not worth it. I'm sorry, John, did Yeah. You and have...
2: one, no, I was going to say one definition that we always think of when we say customization is because of our, the printing technology, which is digital, we're not at, you know, we're not sitting there with minimum buys of 20 million holograms, mm. right? So, yeah, we can change the design, to Mike's point, but we can also run shorter runs as well. So we, we provide those clients to be flexible where, hey, you know what? We're going to run this one for three months and make a switch in the net. We're going to do another design three months after that instead of locked into a design maybe because of financial constraints for two years. Right. Right. That's a big advantage over home you know, and it, it is a big advantage. And we also pride ourselves that a lot of these solutions, you know, around our labeling just kind of be, can be implemented and fit very easily right into their current manufacturing process. So maybe they are still imprinting, you know, through a zebra printer or a Sato thermal transfer printer. Well, they can still put the same size labels through it, but now the labels have security features on them that are pre-printed and embedded in there. I mean, they just print their variable data like they've done for years, and off they go. So we haven't changed the way they conduct business, but we've just made their products by a 50-fold factor more secured.
0: Yeah, you significantly enhanced their... Their, it could be their their shipping label or their package label you know whatever it is right. you know, you're taking it to the next level it's no longer just like a license plate or an ID label now it's it's a, a brand protection anti-counterfeiting maybe tamper resistant label mm-hmm. I've
1: I've actually heard you guys say that before John and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's an important point that. You're not going in and, and redesigning someone's processes or their workflow and asking them to do a bunch of new things or different things than what they were already doing. They're, they can continue to do the same things they've done, but now they're doing it in a way that is just more secure and you know better for their products. And you know, that's, I think that's a great point. We're just able to add that security and those features into what they're already doing to make their products safer. So, thank you. Guys yeah, for I think saying.
2: sometimes, I think sometimes you don't have to overthink it.
1: Yeah, right? yeah.
2: Um, you can take you can take uh, kind of a targeted uh, and a deliberate approach on a few of their items, and um, you know, come up with a solution that organize you know can implement r- rather quickly and
1: effectively. Yeah. No, I think that's great. That's great. So, so the last thing I, I had to touch on with you guys was with respect to authentication, and and how how authentication plays into the type of a solution that a company uses. How how does how does that piece of it work?
2: Yeah, I think again, it's it's on your spectrum of what you're trying to achieve and what your threats are, hmm. and mm-hmm. I think the the further down the spectrum you get towards Security and safety concerns. The closer you get to probably wanting to do more authentic programs, so it's really making your efforts reflect what the reality is, right? If if it's human lives are at stake, and maybe some pharmaceutical things, then uh, authentication is becoming forefront of the conversation, right? Yeah, because because you need to know right now is that a legit product? Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, there is some value. Maybe it's a very expensive item. Let's say a fine wine or some crazy consumer cost product. Well, there is some perceived value that an end user can authenticate it right there, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of a different one based on expense versus security. But I think you're seeing, because they're not, you know, there's more involved with authentication. You have backend softwares and and. The existence of the smartphone, no doubt, has made it a lot easier, and more and more solutions will hit the market on that. But I think it's it's really a factor if if you really need to have one, make sure your end user can maybe hit a QR code with your uh, with the smartphone software to validate that's it, right? And also then be able to track it where it came from. Is it in the right market? And all those benefits as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's really measuring those, those, and is the is the extra step of authentication, you know, equal the re- the risk that you need, that you have with your products.
0: Yeah, and I can and I can see that too, where the variable QR code you know where it's not static but it's it's variable so every single one is different oh, every single yeah. product yeah and then what whatever is <clears throat> embedded in that code aligns with maybe another variable feature that's seen like a serialized number of some sort on the actual label and the mobile device is authenticating and verifying that it is a legitimate combination of the two because they're both unique not they're not the
2: same codes if you will not the same number uh, right. But, right right with authentication you also have anti-counterfeit, right? So I could have a barcode or a QR code that you could use to authenticate. But again, it's it's like putting a overt feature out there. Now I know what I have to copy, right? So now you have to be smarter than the counterfeiter and to Mike's point, have your authenticated devices need to be anti-counterfeit to go along with it. Okay,
0: yeah. Okay. And, and I can see, too, where that, that authentication then would play into some consumer engagement. So, you know, the QR code could take them to a, a landing page where then the consumer can provide some feedback to the to the product owner.
1: Right. Maybe a tutorial video or something, depending be, on what the...
0: Could be a video. Could be a, yeah. a, a couple-question survey. It could be a way to enter some rewards program. There's, a, there's ways that you can tie in the authentication to a, a marketing effort, if you will.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. In that, guys, I, I think that's a great place for us to, to maybe stop this discussion because the next episode we had planned in this series w- was to to kind of dive a little deeper into authentication, and we have a, a special guest. We're, we're lining up for that episode to come in and kind of go through the different types of authentication that's available and the track and trace capabilities associated with them and all those kinds of good things. So I think you guys gave us a great, a great launching point for that discussion and also a, a great place to, to wrap up this one. Um, was there anything else that I, that I didn't ask or we didn't discuss that you guys wanted to add? John, did you have anything?
2: Well, I think I would just, you know, boil down if someone is listening and, you know, uh, first of all, you know, what is your strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to start small. Decide who will be the user of the authentication or your devices. Make sure that matches up with your defined uh, problem. And then, uh, you know, I think we we can help you develop a, uh, a quick solution to achieve your goals.
1: Yeah, and I think, John, I think you guys have, you and Mike both have done a great job of kind of Explaining that to to the listener and to me uh, that you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be. Don't overthink it. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. It doesn't have to even be overly expensive, right? I mean, you can start simple. And I would I would think, from a <laughs> my perspective, doing something, even if it's something simple, is better than doing nothing, right? So you're you're at least taking that step and starting in that process of protecting your brands and your products and your reputation and all that kind of good stuff that comes with it. So I appreciate that. And, and that's something that has stuck out to me in this conversation. So
0: yeah, I'd say no matter, no matter the budget, no matter the size of the label, no matter what you're trying to protect against, whatever it is, we're going to build a solution for it. It's that flexibility of right. that a la carte approach. And, yep. you know, we'll be able to, uh, to design, uh, create and uh, fulfill the exact program they're looking for. So appreciate the time here today. It's uh, very enjoyable. Looking forward to hearing the next episode on the series.
1: Yeah. Yes. Same here. We appreciate it. John and Mike, thanks. Thanks again so much. And I would say for any listener that's interested, you can contact us at GBS. You can email us through the marketing department, marketing at gbscorp.com. And we can put you in touch directly with Mike and John and they can kind of consult with you and kind of get you started on this this protection brand protection process so please reach out with any questions you have and we'd love to love to get you in touch with them so all right guys again thank you so much appreciate your time and um and until until next time until we do it again thanks again for being on the show
0: thank you Yeah, thanks rich
1: all right guys take care
0: this show has been a production of gbs
1: For more information on the topics discussed today or the solutions offered, contact us at marketing at gbscorp.com. That's marketing at gbscorp.com. Or you can call at 800-552-2427. And lastly, check us out on the web at www.gbscorp.com. That's www.gbscorp.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.